Welcome to the Oingo Boingo Secret Appreciation Society, where we delve deep into the world of Oingo Boingo and reveal its glistening heart. I'm your host, Robin. Today, we are unwrapping the gift that is gratitude. It was first released in 1984 on Danny Elfman's so-called solo album. There were multiple versions and remixes of Gratitude, and Boingo re-recorded it in 1988 for their not-exactly-live album, Boingo Alive. It's another track that was a mainstay of their concerts, and for good reason. It's a certified banger that is pure fun to listen to. It also has a funny and surreal video, but we'll get into that later. First, we have exciting news. Danny Elfman announced that he is bringing his wild, weird, incandescent show out of Coachella and into the Hollywood Bowl this October. He promises that it'll be a bigger show with more Boingo, more Big Mess, and even some new material. I am beyond excited about this. I have been waiting for this show for 27 years, and I know it's going to be incredible. The Boingo podcast will be there for both nights, and we cannot wait. And hey, we're planning a meetup that weekend for Secret Society listeners, so keep an eye on our social media for details. You can find us at Boingo Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. If you're enjoying what we do here at the Secret Appreciation Society, you can tip us at buymeacoffee.com slash O-B-S-A-S. Special thanks to those who've already done so. It helps us keep the show going. We've started a Discord server, too. Come join if you want to chat with us, meet other fans, and share your unhinged theories about Boingo songs. You can find the link on our website, boingopodcast.com. Now, let's meet our panelists. Hello, my name is Matt. Greetings, I'm Adam. Hello, I am Selena. Hi, I'm Summer. So I've got some um, listener notes from previous episodes, um, oh. if you want to hear. Yes. Uh, so um, somebody commented that for I'm So Bad, some other major references and inspirations include Jekyll and Hyde, uh, which we didn't yes, mention. Sure. Um, yes, of course. I think that's, a, that's totally valid. And of course, the werewolf thing. A couple of people seconded the werewolf vibes from I'm So Bad. Mm-hmm. Um, another listener suggested... The Romulus and Remus connection. So, of course, uh, the most famous urban wolves, the most famous raised by wolves story. And then another note um, regarding the line from Pedestrian Wolves uh, that Matt was so unhappy about. um, The one where he says, under the sheltering skin stretched out so pale and thin. Uh, This comment was... uh, I think he's talking about his own skin as a reference to the rush he gets from brushing up against his own mortality. Hmm. Whoa. I thought that that was a good comment. Still gross. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Now is that gratitude? Now is that gratitude? It's just a cool sounding song. It sounds cool like a heist movie is cool. Like it's just. It's neat, it's dynamic, it's interesting, it's fun, it's a little off-kilter, it's highly melodic. I feel like it's the first song in which Danny really takes advantage of his vocal abilities. Like, he's precise and acrobatic. What do you all think? The two things about Gratitude that always stuck out to me, it's always been in my top ten list of favorite Boingo songs. From the first time I heard it to now, it's, it's never left the top ten spot. Most of the song is synth. And I'm a sucker for synth work. And the other thing I love about the song is, and I think I mentioned this in the Stay episode, I like list songs. I like lists. And Gratitude is a list song. It sure is. I just love that that section of just listing all these different places and scenarios. And I think that's what sticks out to me, too, is I'm a sucker for lists. Well, I'm a sucker for mystery. And mystery, but mostly lists. Yeah. In the middle of a big tornado, on the tip of everyone's tongue. 
in the belly of a giant whale. All the girls just wanna have fun. In the midst of a frightened neighbor, in a big one bed at night, in a broken elevator, in the teeth of a dog that bites, in the middle of a revolution, in the look of a child's face, in the silence of a dinner table, in the stillness of disgrace. Yeah, this has always been one of my faves. It's super fun to listen to that vocal run, that very precise vocal run that he does. It, it is the the earliest moment where we're like, wow, he, this guy really can sing. It's a really challenging run to try to sing yourself along with and actually like hit all of the spots where he comes in and, and actually has a noticeable note instead of just sliding through. It's tough. Um, yeah. I do enjoy me a good list. The list doesn't have a lot of coherence. Like some of them are situations and some of them are just feelings and some of mm-hmm, them are mm-hmm. so... Some of them are just, you know, looks like facial expressions. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's a vibe. And so that's really easy to just... Some of it feels kind of like biblical plague. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially with the video as well. That's it's- a really good point. Yeah. This is interesting because like Matt's frequently the one where we come in here and then he's like, I had never really paid that much attention to the lyrics before. Somehow that was me for this one. I had never really like tried to think, what do I think this song is? And I had never really like crystallized that this is another villain song. Interesting. Oh, where the narrator yeah. is the villain. The right? narrator is a cult leader villain. Oh, cult leader. Wow. Oh, I hadn't gone to cult leader. That's interesting. I have a totally different take on this song. So this is- I'm so looking forward to that. With me, um, this is another one that I listen to religiously. It's one of my top Boingo songs. Solo is probably my top album. It, it was your Desert Island album. But having listened to it when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, you know until now very long time it hits differently now this is another one that depressingly hits very differently now and only for one line i was listening to it literally today one verse stuck out that hadn't before and when i think of you and what you've done to me you took away my hope you took away my fantasy i once had so much pride oh yeah suddenly it was like oh god i didn't see it as a villain song i did see it as this particular verse as a angry at a breakup song and again that's me projecting it's one that suddenly is coming out in all the boingo songs that i used to love and now they are very relevant um yeah the world was in my hands like where i don't want to get too much into it but when i was in a relationship i was the cock of the walk our relationship was like um you know peep our friends because we had mutual friends I felt like they would admire us like we were such a good relationship and we were going Mm. so strong for such a long time. So it's like, yeah, you know, the world was in my hands. I lived way on the top of castles made of sand. The sand has since collapsed. Sand is a very... um, Unstable medium. Vulnerable thing. Very unstable. Um, And you think you've got it and then you don't the second the tide comes in. And it's it's very depressing. (laughs) But... um, (laughs) It just literally clicked on with me today and I was just like, oh God, that's a thing that I never thought of 10, 15, 20 years ago. Interesting. It's one of many Boingo songs now that hit differently. Now that I am in my 30s and have done the stuff mm-hmm. that Danny clearly had done when I was listening to it when I was in my like teens. I love this song. This is one of certainly one of my top favorites. Uh, and it's just so 
listenable to and so fun on the ear and so musically interesting. And the singing is so beautiful and the lyrics are so precise and lovely. I'm with Matt on this and that I, I love that it's a list song. I'm also drawn to the lists that I think invite you to, to sort of bring your own experience um, into it. it. It talks about some really dark stuff in a really fun, delightful, upbeat way. And I think that there's some just really big mythic energy in this song. Um, it really does bring up a lot of myth themes and metaphors and fairy tale, mythic, biblical places that it goes, that it draws you into. It invites you to think about big things while having uh, a lot of fun with a really fun little song. After listening to Selena and Summer give their opinions here, it's bringing me, I'm just reminded of change. I'm reminded of yes. our change mm. discussion, which is interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. I think so. I was totally thinking about this song and change as being in a in a conversation or in a, a continuum, uh, a thematic continuum when I was going over this. Like, again, Which this is really isn't... interesting when you think the, 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 like the years between them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, there's about Ten a years. decade between yeah. them. Yeah, so yeah. I feel like there's two ways that I managed to read the song. One of them is the, the breakup where the list is basically just saying, I still see the breakup in like... I can't get away from it. I see it here. I see it here. I see it here. I see it here. After watching the video and when trying to figure out how to really synthesize in along with everything else, the verse that got added after solo. Oh, yeah. Um, And of course, watching the video where he is clearly, I mean, the video starts with him asleep with basically the god Pan behind him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he's whatever the interrogation thing at the beginning. And then mm-hmm. he's in a church exercising people where the big hands that he's putting into people are the icon of the church. There's big statues of forearms in the background. Yeah. The production design of this video is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what is that? Is that one of the earliest indications of uh, Danny Elfman's infamous uh, hand, hand fixation? Hand, yeah. <laughs> it could be uh, hand plus devil, because yeah, then there's the poker game with the actual devil in the background, not playing, and mm-hmm. a kid for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> when I paid attention to the lyrics with the imagery from the video in mind, it really felt to me. Rather than being a breakup song, it is a cult leader who feels entitled to the women in his cult and is not broken up with, but has lost his hopes and fantasies because they're rejecting him beforehand because he feels entitled to them. Ooh. Mm. Fascinating. I I used to eat little girls like I... uh, Yeah. Is it little girls I knew or little girls like you? Because like well, you. Site, so, yeah. This me, lyric site that I just looked at says I knew, and I had always heard it as like you, and I just had a moment like of... Yeah. Is that... Can I back up? Is that, the, is that the lyric that you said they added after solo? Well, that verse that is verse, not present in the solo recording. Well, it, a, so it, actually, it actually is. So on Ooh, the el- Matt's pushing up his nerd glasses. Let me glasses. push up my nerd glasses here <laughs> talk about all the different versions. <laughs> <laughs> when Solo was first released on LP, and that does have the extra lyric of, I used to eat people like you for breakfast. Yes. I used to eat people like you for breakfast. Now it's like 
Later on, as Solo got re-released on CD and cassette, that verse was cut. I think most people listen to the solo version of Gratitude not knowing that that verse was in there because it's only on the LP version. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think it's interesting that the original lyric was, I used to eat people like you for breakfast. And it wasn't until Boingo Alive that it's, I used to eat little girls like you little for girls. breakfast. That does change it. Yeah. I used to eat little girls like you for breakfast. I used to fly high up in the sky. Yeah, Little Girls definitely sounds more sinister. It does, yeah. I expect that it was present in live performances in between Solo and yeah. Alive. I cannot but... find a live performance where he says, I used to eat people like you for breakfast. Every live performance I've heard, it's it's Little Girls, as far, as far back as 1985, which I think is interesting that the lyric changed so early on. So yeah, I was not aware of the LP version. I just listened to my CD version, but I had assumed... The lyric probably had been present in their live performances, even possibly before they recorded it in solo. I just like that just it just feels likely like that doesn't feel like the kind of verse that they would have made up once they'd really crystallized the song. But it does very much feel like a verse that once they had written it, they might have cut out for a recording. Yeah, to me. It, it, it doesn't feel like it jars when you hear it in the live versions. It sounds perfectly like it should be there. Mm -hmm. It's weird that they cut it out. It made it clear that they, at least in the video, want to tell the story of someone who is something of a cult leader. And frequently the story in a video has almost nothing to do with the lyrics. But with that imagery, it does really fit, especially like the, the sequence in the video where he's in the haunted mansion with the fortune teller. Mm -hmm. uh, and <laughs> yeah. then like and is flirting with her and when they come into an embrace she doesn't do any of it he pulls her arms around him and then she literally floats away from him into the sky <laughs> these these people aren't coming to him because they want him he wants them and feels entitled to them because we've in the real world seen this over and over in cults and religions Mm -hmm. And and anything where there's a that level of power dynamic and one person who is this spokesperson of the divine or whatever. Mm -hmm. he, he feels entitled. And when he doesn't get what he wants, he's like, is that gratitude? Oh, you mm -hmm. owe me this. Mm -hmm. Is this how you show me your gratitude by not sleeping with me? Is basically <laughs> how I oh, started to feel oh, like this song means. But that I do that also, is really a villain song then. Yeah. If, yeah. If that's, if that's the approach you're taking. Yeah. It, yeah. And so that really makes it a villain song. But if you if you strip like the cult thing away and take the eat little girls in uh, verse and ascribe it primarily to like bitterness, then I can also take basically the entire song and read it just fine as a, a breakup song where somebody of somebody who feels like they did a lot for their partner and didn't deserve to be dumped for his best friend or something. Mm -hmm. It is a little opaque. Yeah. Like it's not super obvious what the song uh, is about. So I think, um, you know, that leaves it open to a lot of different interpretations. And, and the cult thing, the other thing that uh, I like the, the cult thing with is just the specifically in the list the big tornado and the giant whale both feel biblical. Mm. Oh, mm. Yeah, for sure. oh, yeah. Yeah. These big situations. Yeah, definitely. One of the things I like about the list is, um, and I've always felt this way, is I feel like the first item on this list is the big tornado. I always imagined that the big tornado 
set up the list. Like, because this list is just a bunch of random things, like a tornado spinning oh, around. Yeah, you know? sure. yeah. So, like, we're, we're in the middle of a big tornado, and here's what we're seeing. You know, giant whale, teeth of a dog that bites, an elevator that doesn't work. And... Uh, like that early Disney cartoon with the band playing and the tornado swirls all yes. around. And oh, fixes yes. Or the Wizard yeah. of Oz tornado or was, taking you into tornado. another yeah. world. Yeah. yeah. Yes. The last yeah. four lines of this list are just amazing songwriting, storytelling. Like, yeah, the middle of a revolution, the look of a child's face, the silence of the dinner table, the stillness of disgrace. That is fucking poetry, man. It is. The stillness of disgrace is one of the strongest lines I think I've ever heard in any song. Yeah, it's so evocative. I'm curious why they did cut. I used to eat people like you for breakfast. I'm, I'm curious why that decision was made. I don't think it would have been for time because it's only 12 seconds. So I'm curious why that why that got cut from all the other solo versions. I mean, because it's so evocative. I really like it. I don't know if maybe it was just it moved the song into a different direction. Yeah, especially like with it being little girls for breakfast. Mm hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's weird because it, it does. It seems like part of the heart of the song because what he's saying there is that the singer is used to be, you know, so full of pride and so on top. And then, you know, I once had lots of pride, the world was in my hands. And what he's saying is that the you, whoever he's talking to, has now brought him down from great heights. Mm -hmm. The you has had a profound effect on him. And that's kind of the pivot where the song rotates on. Mm -hmm. The whole, yeah. I used to eat people like you for breakfast, those four lines, they're so cocky. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's very deliberate. Like he's yeah. setting oh, yeah. himself up to be like, he's almost bragging, but he's setting himself up to be knocked down. And yeah. I've always liked the imagery, chewing up rocks and spitting out gravel. gravel I've always loved that so imagery. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another, that's like a very fairy tale thing too, where- Cartoony, very cartoony. Yeah. Yeah. That's like Popeye. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yes, yes, Popeye. Yeah. I always saw it as gargoyles. Gargoyles make sense just because it's stone, but yeah. Yeah, like, I always so, saw that. I, li I like th I like the Popeye. Popeye makes, yeah. Spitting it at somebody like Garfield spitting watermelon. Yes, yes. It is a very cartoony song. It really is. Despite the seriousness. Going back to the synth that I've always liked about this song, it's a perfect mix. Just those two synth lines. There's the one that boom, 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 That mixed with bum, 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 That mixed with a boom, bum, 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 It's just a perfect mix. I think Gratitude, I think Solo in general, is the perfect Boingo synth album. Yes. I think before Solo, they they did have some synth stuff, but it was very punk rocky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And after Solo, they went more into the synth new wave American um, rock band, you know, the 80s mm -hmm. pop rock. I think Solo was the one straight bang in the middle that did the really good synth stuff. Yeah, and I get the impression that was a deliberate choice on Danny Elfman's part to very deliberately go in a different direction from the pattern they had already established uh, mm -hmm. as this sort of like punk, ska, new wave, whatever the hell yeah. they were, sui generis, 
Oingo Boingo. Um, and, you know, he's always reacting to whatever he did before. And like, he always wants to go in a different direction. So I think, mm-hmm. I think that was very deliberate. Ma- I think that's right. Yeah. I think the, the synth sounds in this are just very distinct. Like you can hear a split second of basically anything in this song. And these sounds are just so clearly this song, if not, like this album totally and selena's yeah. right mm-hmm. too about yeah. that just yeah it's a very mm-hmm. they they got real clearly like synth distinctive with their sounds in yeah. this one yeah, yeah and the overall sound of gratitude i feel like is so emblematic of oingo boingo's sounds like it is one of the most oingo boingo songs yeah that they- yeah i think it is one of the most iconic songs i think that is why if you could pick like a song from each album, Gratitude would have to be this one. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, in terms of like what sounds most like Oingo Boingo? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It is so iconic. Yeah. And I love the intro. Like it's so like every time those, I don't know, synth pan oh, pipes or whatever they great. are start, like it's yeah. so fun. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, you're in for a good time when you hear that line. obvious synth but it's very breathy it has a very breathy Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah is it trying to Mm -hmm. emulate a panpipe or is it trying to do something else i mean the video certainly suggests that they've got that in mind given that they have a satyr with panpipes in the background Mm -hmm. of the very beginning of the video doing that line although disappointingly not actually moving the panpipes quite in line with what the notes are Mm. um that would have been that would have been just a chef's kiss yeah <laughs> but it's not really necessary yeah. um they didn't he's a have kid to the he's a kid he's a kid do we know he's a satyr like we're making that it's, up like it's got it's based got on the pan pipes see. and horns and so yeah. i just feel like it's the god pan <laughs> if not yeah. just a satyr it has to like, be and and it's obvious i mean like the entire imagery of the song with the kind of the i don't know the, the entitled sexuality Mm-hmm. of the video version of the song obviously like a satyr just fits perfectly mm-hmm. into that and so i feel like that's not unintentional i didn't know if because of the context of the video you're kind of seeing this like shadowy figure in the water and going well clearly it's a sa- satyr satyr i don't know how you say it but, <laughs> i mean but the, the t- with the with the traditional pan pipes and the horns i was just like oh pan is is there that, yeah, clearly yeah. yeah, and with the uh, with the sexual tension, I think that's very deliberate too, because mm-hmm. he opens with it essentially um, when he says, "Life's been so good to me. Has it been good to you? Was it as good for you as it was good for me?" Like that's that's the good cliche you, line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the cliche yeah. line yes. you say after sex, yeah. right? So yeah. I think it's on purpose that he's introducing that element. I, I think, in all seriousness, though, that that is uh, in this. The more I found myself kind of looking through the lyrics and trying to figure out, okay, what is this about? Um, I really came into uh, that this is about a character who is struggling with the costs of toxic masculinity. Um, of having been in a relationship and having in the past been um, this hard character, this, uh, I used to eat little girls like you for breakfast. I was maybe abusive. Does this Mm -hmm. feed back into the little Mm -hmm. girls song? How bad was mm -hmm. this person? How much of a villain is this person? The the thing about that, like you say, um, dealing with the consequences of toxic masculinity, which I, I do agree with, but there's no sign in the song that he's learned anything. Um, no. I, th- I think that there's a lot in this song about he is in the 
process of learning something. He is in the liminal space that is going to maybe allow him to learn something. And I think that's where the uh, the giant whale comes in and the tornado. And the stillness of disgrace. The stillness of disgrace, exactly. I think that that is sort of the heart of this character. He has been a bit of a jerk in the past or a horrible villain in the past, depending on how you want to look at that. But it's in the space of having reached the stillness of disgrace, uh, the belly of the whale, the nattier. Yeah. He's hit rock bottom, and it's possible he'll learn something from it. Yeah. He starts out making statements, and now he's asking questions. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I think that's really interesting. And I want to riff off something that Adam said about hitting uh, rock bottom um, with relation to the video. I don't know if I believe this argument, but I'm going to make it anyway. In In kind of the... Four major situations in the video, right? You have the faith healer or evangelist or whatever, um, and you have the visit to the fortune teller, and you have the gambling den, and then obviously you have the he's on death row. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are all situations where you might find a character who has hit rock bottom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, why would you go to a faith healer? Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're desperate. Why would you go to, you know, uh, when we see, like, okay, so Pee Wee Herman in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, when he's at his lowest point, Yes. He visits a fortune teller. Let's see what Madame Ruby sees. I see a bicycle. Yes! Is it okay? It's okay. It's okay. Yes. You know, you can uh, gamble all your money away and hit rock bottom. And yeah. of course, if you're on death row and about to be executed. It's hard to get worse than that. That's yeah. it. You know you've hit rock bottom when you're on death row and you're in a cell and you're sharing it with two old Yiddish men, one of them (laughs) feeding the other one a plate of blue chicken. Or teasing the other one with a plate of blue chicken. Then then you really know. (laughs) The thing about the rock bottom list there is that in three out of four of those, the singer could be the one hitting rock bottom, depending on how they do in the gambling den. But in one of them... They're at the top. They're the, right. They They're are the faith, the faith healer. They, they are, are the faith, faith healer. healer. Yeah, yes. you're and, totally you know, right. Like, yeah. In the video, yeah. I took the gambling den as the faith healer is obviously telling his flock not to do these things. It's just another hypocritical extension. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as yes. he sips down his gin and tonics. Is what is so often the case when there's a cult leader that they don't obey the rules that they set down for anybody else because they're entitled to better. Cult leader slash religious leader. They, they they make the rules. Yeah. Interesting that castles made of sand is a reoccurring image in Boingo yeah. songs. Yes. Sand castles, yeah. stone castles, yeah. melting castles. Yes. It's a re- It's a reoccurring theme. Definitely. That, that may be the line that is the hardest to sync with the cult leader villain version of the interpretation of the song. I can kind of see it with the breakup where you where it's like, I was way at the top in a castle and it turned out to be a castle made of sand. Yeah. Do you not think that with cult leaders, though, um, everything that they do is so fragile? It is based on faith and it is based on what people, what they can like, like bring to the people and what they will believe and all it takes is one person pulling the finger from the dam and it'll you know that verse is a list it's like i once had lots of pride the world was in my hands i lived way at the top and you would expect that to end with something like unambiguously really great that he had and instead it's castles made of sand well and and we know that this is the Mm. character in the past he is at the nadir now he he may have been he may have been at the top of then but Mm. yeah the 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 thought of a castle as something that is you know going to be protective 
and then there, that protection just doesn't exist. Especially with cult leaders, they know that it's precarious in that they know it's all a sham. They know that they are like forcing people to believe something that isn't necessarily good or right or it's just helping them. So the castle made of sand is, I've built this up based on the, the false promises and the false, you know, the lies and your faith, misplaced faith. It can crumble at any moment because it's because yeah it's, because exactly it's built on lies. It, yeah, it, all, all it would take is one follower to exactly to see through the curtain, and that castle that is castle's just, yeah, is it's just melting. Gonna... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's acknowledging he's not saying my my castle is made of sand. He's acknowledging that it is, but he's not embracing the fact that it is. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that um, subversion that Adam was just uh, pointing out, where you know he builds himself up and you expect it to be something great, and then it's uh, and then it turns out to be sand. I think that's a great illustration of mm-hmm. um, one of Danny Elfman's strengths as a songwriter is introducing these scenarios and then immediately subverting it and um, kind of messing with your expectation and introducing that contrast. It's a confidence thing, I think. Yeah. Like you, you, you know, like. I can build myself up. I am this, you know, like presenting yourself as everything. But inside, you kind of know, this goes again with, you know, a big theme that Boingo has. Inside, you know, actually, actually, I'm not, I'm not all that, but I'm not going to present that. I'm going to like, you know, on the outside has it, um, change has it, a whole bunch of songs has it, where you are presenting something that you can present it really well and you can act as though it's true. But you know in yourself that maybe not quite so much. Yeah, like seems I'm falling down a lot in between the scenes. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, the private vulnerability. That's 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 a better way of putting it than the waffle I just did. Yeah, the private vulnerability. Like yeah, a, like a, a public toughness, a public facade, and a private vulnerability. I was thinking about tough as nails with this song too, mm. as yeah, uh, you know, Mr. Macho is all this, uh, you know, rough guy, but then actually not so impressive. Yeah, Mr. Macho loves his women with such dedication. I think gratitude is more mythic and more open-ended to a lot of different people who maybe in the past were mm. built themselves up in a false way. Or I guess the, the idea is that that private vulnerability is going to show up eventually no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something that this is um, not related to what we were just talking about, but something about the song, particularly in that list, um, it feels like Alice in Wonderland and Through yes. the Looking Glass. It feels yeah. like those books. Uh, where all those situations that might be real, might be metaphor, uh, they aren't necessarily connected in any sensible way. You know, there's sort of one thing after another, um, Mm -hmm. one thing happens, and it's all uncertain. And the rules change from place to place. Nobody bothers to tell you what those rules are. You just have to kind of guess as you go along, as you enter the Red Queen space, or as you enter... um, the tornado or anything else you know just this feeling this endless feeling of uncertainty and surreality it also feels like each instance is a pivot point and it all culminates when the narrator gets knocked down from his castles made of sand yeah belly of a giant whale it's it's very fantasy it's very biblical yeah in the middle of a big tornado that is iconically Wizard of Oz. Totally. And these liminal spaces that you start off in one place and then you end up in this other place, but while you are in the space, that is when the change 
happens. Which makes sense with in the middle of a big tornado because what is the one place that is unchanged during the havoc of a tornado? In the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. So everything is going on around you, but you are solid. You are safe. I like how the um, the list jumps all over different contrasting feelings. Like in the in a big warm bed at night is the opposite of in the teeth of a dog that bites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how the broken elevator is neutral. You're not going up or down. It's a broken elevator. You're not moving. Oh, yeah. You're suspended. You're just... Mm-hmm. It's also mm-hmm. a little scary because... Yeah. I mean, Because you can fall. It might drop you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite parts in the song where they do the list is... It's uh, it's the second time they do the list where Danny's singing the foreground mm-hmm. and the background singers are singing it in a round. Oh, yeah. I Ooh. love that part. That is my favorite. Yeah. That is driving in the car singing along. That's the singing yeah. along moment for me of the song. Do you usually pick Danny's part or the band's always, part? Always Danny's always part. Always Danny's it's part. More, it's more fun. To, yeah, that's more fun to sing <laughs> yeah. along with. I really enjoy the way they come together at the end, the way they abbreviate the final response so that it can all wind up in sync at the very end is a really well-crafted moment. Yeah, they're off by a little bit so they can do the round thing, but once they get to In the Stillness of Disgrace, they're in sync. They all come together. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. which they do by abbreviating the previous one and they just sing In the Silence. In the then they jump forward yeah. to where Danny is uh, or whoever the yes. foreground person is in that particular performance because I did notice that some of the live performances Danny seemed to be the responses. In the f- April 27th, 1985 performance, which is probably my favorite live version, it's a unique performance because it starts off like one of the remixes. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, that has a really strange, like the sounds oh. they chose to use. Really weird. Yeah. Yes. I love that intro though. Yes. And I also like if you listen to that entire performance, I like how you clearly can hear the different vocals. Um, whereas on the album it's all Danny's voice as far as I can tell, but live they have Sluggo mm. doing the low vocals. And on this performance you can hear Sluggo's vocals really clearly. This is a good opportunity to highlight that Sluggo does sing low parts mm-hmm. here and there on their albums and in their shows. He does have a beautiful voice, but it's very low. Um, another live performance that makes me laugh is uh, the November 2nd, 1991 performance. It's right before Danny goes into the I Used to Eat Little Girls Like You for Breakfast. He just does this long, oh, shit. Yes, I used yeah. to eat people. <laughs> and it makes me... I crack up every time I hear yeah. that. Oh, shit. I used to eat little girls like you. Yeah. I assume he's, like, forgotten something or he's messed something up or something. I, like, I don't, know. I always, I don't quite I know what engenders like a, the... Oh, shit. Here we go. I used to eat little girls like you. Oh, shit. 
Next to Stay, Gratitude is my favorite video. Um, mm -hmm. Gratitude was directed by Graham Whiffler, who um, he has directed a few other music videos, the most notable one being Cool Places by Sparks, featuring Jane Wielden. He also wrote the 1992 horror film called Dr. Giggles, starring Larry Drake. One of the things that makes the Gratitude video work so well is the editing. Perfect cuts all around. It's a perfect cut from that water table to the interrogation table. When he when he comes up from that table and he's dripping wet, we have a perfect cut of him at a similar black table, but he's not wet anymore. Mm -hmm. The light coming up from underneath the table, you can see this circle of light shining up from the table and it's, it's alternating between the interrogation light that's on him and then the under light that's that's kind of giving him that uh ghost story mm -hmm. look uh when you put a flashlight under your under your face to tell a ghost story my favorite cut in the entire video is when we go from the fortune teller scene to the poker scene they're using a technique called eye tracing it's an editing technique where the editor uses each shot's focal point and its movement within the shot to direct the viewer's eyes to whatever the focal point will be in the next shot. So the editor has control over where you're focusing. So it's basically choosing focal points that are in similar places from cut to cut. And this is utilized really well as we go from the fortune teller to the poker scene. At the end of the fortune teller scene, we have the fortune teller who's in red. The rest of the scene is very black and white and kind of not very colorful, but we have the uh, we have the fortune teller wearing red. In the very last shot of that scene, we have the fortune teller on the left side of the screen being pulled up. Uh, I'm assuming it's a dummy at this point. <laughs> so our focal point is at the, we're not watching Danny. We're watching this body being pulled up. So our focal point is on the left side of the screen. And the very next cut is a hard cut to the poker scene where we have the devil also wearing red in that exact same part of the screen. And every time I watch this video, when we cut to the poker scene, the first thing I notice is the devil. The first thing I always notice in that shot is the devil. After doing an analysis on this video, I realized it's because the video is telling me that's where my eyes should be as we come to this poker scene. And yeah. I just think it's interesting that the that the the fortune teller and the devil are both wearing very similar red. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it's just it's just a good example of of eye tracing. Very cool. As you were talking, I just watched it again, and if you look. Uh, when he is lifting her up or she's ascending, mm -hmm. the very next scene is he's sitting back down. Like he sat up. Oh. And the very next thing is he's sitting back down with his arms up even. There's no reason for his arms to be up. In the scene that's happening, there's no reason that his arms would be up. That's very well thought through and good yes. catch. Staring. Yeah. 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 It's so just, just the editing throughout. Uh, some of the other cuts I love are the quick match cut shots every once in a while we'll cut back to danny at the interrogation table with his arms up in solo pose i just call it solo pose <laughs> um <laughs> that happens right before we go into the bartek solo where in just for a quick brief second we cut to danny throwing his arms up getting ready for that solo pose as we go to the solo album cover the george and dean artwork that's mm. beautifully animated yeah shout out to george and dean the cover art there oh, yeah. um, she also did uh what the boingo alive covers uh which are yeah my favorite mm -hmm. i love so that uh, beautiful yeah. i love the casting i i <laughs> i love that all of the extras in this video are 
just ordinary looking people every day looking. It's like watching a John Waters film. Like everybody's just normal, regular. They're not glitzed out and glamored. They're just regular everyday people. Yeah, no, it's Mm -hmm. it's funny that you say that because one of my notes uh, on the video is like, it's, it just seems like something like Danny Elfman and his weird friends would put together. Like it it just, it feels very artsy and silly and just like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it seems like uh, he and his production crew or whoever just kind of pulled in whoever for this weird little project. Mm. And yeah, it just feels like very... It's the people at the poker table that really like yes. those are the those are the ones that are not from a Waters movie. Those, those are, are from a David Lynch movie. Yes, <laughs> Danny giving the side eye to to Richard, was, <laughs> just to his brother yes. Yes. after after he yeah. went over and peeked at his cards, and then uh, they just give each other. Yeah. Just, <laughs> look, just that's one of my favorite moments in the video because he's just unapologetic about having just peeked his, at Richard's cards. Yeah, and just like. I love the production design and costume design specifically for the poker scene. Mm -hmm. I just watch that scene and I just go straight into tech mode wondering how did they have all the walls rigged up so they're all moving to the beat. They're all, you know, like like the walls are moving up and down to the beat. Oh, the fist. The fist pounding on the table. Everybody sitting at the table. The kid jumping up and down with that beat. Mm -hmm. And even the devil is doing this very animated the devil's not jumping, but the de- with every beat, the devil is looking at another place in the room in a very animated yeah. fashion. Is the devil Danny? No. I was never sure. No, it's not. Doesn't look like no. it to me. No, it doesn't look like it. But that it's devil- like The devil looked a little like Avila to me. But, I but always I, but, thought like, that too. I didn't think it was him, just like, no. huh, that reminds me a little bit, but I didn't think the it devil, was The devil, he kind of looks friendly. Like, there's a part <laughs> of me that feels like he'd be a pretty fun guy to hang out with. But I also never want to see him standing at my front door or anything, you know, like. <laughs> and who's, do we know who the kid is? I don't know who the kid is. My my only notes on the kid is that uh, I'm assuming it's the same kid we see at the beginning in the reflection of the water with the devil horns playing the pan flute. No, I'm assuming it's the same so. kid. You don't think it is? Uh, no, I thought the one in the water was way older. It's. I mean, it's hard to tell because it's a water reflection. But I always, I always thought it was Danny, but like as a. As Pam. I always saw the kid. I always assumed it was the same kid from the poker scene. It's a mystery. It could be. He does have similar hair. And the only other note I have uh, on the video, we get the pan flute synth repeating at the end. Yes. Just simply having that pan flute synth at the end again, it can change the entire meaning of the song. Like, is he about to do this again? Is this a repeat? Is he recurring it or has he learned? Yeah. To, to, to me, like watching mm-hmm. the video and then I feel like the reintroduction of the, the pan flute synth reinforces this view the video he starts with his head down on the table and then comes up to my view the reason why there's all these weird disconnected surreal scenes is that the entire video is a dream and we see him at the very beginning and the very end asleep and that's why we repeat the same riff in both places because that's the one place that's the real world or whatever that's what's him asleep i kind of always saw it that way yeah the video i always saw that way what do you think the meaning is that the first time he wakes up it's a live action human playing the pan flute and at the end it's just someone in a mm. in a mask it's a different uh it's a different reflection does that mean anything the only the only connection i made was that at the beginning it's a human again i'm assuming it's a kid but uh at the beginning it's a it's a kid with horns playing the pan flute and at the end it's a devil mask and during the poker scene the kid and the devil are the only two characters standing in the background 
they're not part of the game. So I'm just wondering if there's a connection there. Oh, that's really interesting. Every band member is in the video except Sluggo. Sluggo is nowhere to be found in this video. Oh. Bados and Avila are the two are the two uh, uh, prison guards. Prison guard yeah. executioners. We yeah. have Bartek doing his solo. We have yeah. Dale Turner sitting at the table with the poker table. Leon gets exercised. <laughs> Is that Leon? Is that Leon? I think, I think it's Leon. That's Leon. Is it Leon or is it just somebody who looks like Leon? No, I think it's, it's Leon. Leon. It's got to be Leon. Okay. It's got to be Leon. Um, Write in if you, you know, people. Why, <laughs> yeah. why do you have a conspiracy theory that it's not Leon? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm just not 100% sold. I'm still on the fence on if it's Leon or if it's just somebody who has a very Leon face, a very Leon looking face. But, but you know who has a Leon-looking face? Leon. Leon? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but Slogo, you say, is not in the video. I not that I not that I have found. I yeah, yeah, I didn't notice him. No. And uh, speaking of other people uh, in the video, um, and I, I, I'm not 100 sure about this. I'm sure someone will write in if I'm wrong. But I did read somewhere that the fortune teller. It's Laura. Is Laura? Is mm-hmm. it Laura Angle for sure? Yes. Okay. It so is. Danny's Danny's manager. Richard Elfman is that. Richard Elfman is mm-hmm. sitting at the poker table. He's at the poker table, right? Yeah. 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 yeah so Laura Angle has been with him for a long, long time. I think. Almost like yeah. night days. Yeah. This, so this is interesting. So th- this is info that I've just heard from other fans over the years, but I can't find anything online solidifying this. But the two old men in the cell. Um, I heard that one of those men is Danny Elfman's grandfather. Yes. But I can't, I've only heard this from other fans. I, I, I can't find this anywhere online. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. And so. Yeah, like the, the individual sections of the video waking up in the, in the interrogation room and then dabbing away dabbing the sweat his and forehead. then just yeah. doing that, that Grin. Danny Elfman intense stare yes. TM. <laughs> uh, like, and then, yeah, they, the going into, the very like that religious choir behind with like while he's singing the verse and before they're doing before the chorus starts like if you look at the looks on there but before they get to that you look at the looks on their faces in the background there's like these nervous smiles and they just kind of like yeah Yeah. we're here and then ah, claps but yeah it's so creepy because they're so clean cut but they're doing such a uh, Oh, yeah, it's it's a very very creepy scene. Yeah, and and the way the way that his gestures while he's at the pulpit, like at one point he makes the exorcism push the hand mm. forward gesture that he later uses on the woman that he does the exorcism on, and then the video cuts away just before he does it to Leon, if that is Leon. Um, yeah, but like the fact that he uses that gesture at some point while at the pulpit, it's like they thought about how to make his presence at the pulpit as the spiritual leader in at least this scene, if not the whole sequence. They thought about what that should be as like a continuous. This is what this church. I mean, they, it, you know, in addition to having the two big forearm statues in the back yeah where on earth did they get those for one thing the whole (laughs) using the forearm and hand to perform the exorcism they came up with a whole little thing for this like 45 second part of a video and that's just 
fantastic. Yeah, it was choreographed. It's it's obvious that this uh, not only is the editing fantastic, but it's I think this video shows a good example of pre-production. I think a lot of pre-production went into this, a lot of planning. Yeah. Yeah, and it comes through because oh, yeah. it's so fun to watch. Like it's 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 wild, it's weird, it's I don't really understand why it's not considered more of like a classic eighties video, except yeah. that it's kind of obscure. Um, but it's up there with all the other, mm-hmm. you know, classic videos from the eighties. Yeah. It it has yeah, it has a classic eighties video and vibe for sure. What the hell is up with the expanding and contracting Danny head in the crystal ball? Uh, with the with the sheet that's right under his chin yes. that you can yes. really see. <laughs> keep being these little interstitial moments that flash back to earlier mm-hmm. bits, mm-hmm. like when they transition from in the church to at the fortune teller, there's just a moment where he's at the interrogation table. Yes. And yes. in the middle of the fortune teller bit, there's a moment where they show the wet table from the, the very beginning. Of him kissing her when he when he leans in and kisses her. Yeah. And, and But the yeah. kiss is only in that reflection. It doesn't yes. actually happen in reality. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Elfman's performance throughout the whole thing like it's so theatrical and i can't help but think that it's because of it's all um all his mystic knights training just coming together Mm -hmm. for that video and Mm -hmm. just making it really theatrical and exaggerated and maybe a little hammy maybe a little muppety little hammy fucker does a cartwheel (laughs) yeah really (laughs) so good yeah no that's not like a stunt double or something that's Mm -hmm. fucker does a cartwheel (laughs) it is the poker table yeah. scene because that set is so elaborate yes there yes. is so much to like look at mm-hmm. what is going on here all the stuff on the walls the stuff on the shelves the yes. chips and drinks and cards and just other detritus on the poker table itself the looks on the faces of everybody at the poker table as they look at each other like his head tilts sideways and his eyes look over just Oh, oh, he's so good. The poker table sequence. And yes, just, it's and my, it's whoever my the devil sequence. is in the back who's just doing the... Pointing around. Doing his little da- devil dance sequence. <laughs> While a kid jumps for reasons. Like, I'm not sure what the kid's doing there. What does that mean? What does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? Interesting that there is a line in the song of the look at a child's face as one of the yeah. the situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I go back and forth as to whether that's to be taken as more one of the more comfortable scenarios in the song or whether it's one of the more uncomfortable scenarios in the song and so i think um i mean children are also potentials and possibilities too right a child hasn't had a chance to go to the stillness of disgrace a child is Mm -hmm. starting the journey uh and you know somebody who has been to the stillness of disgrace is i mean maybe that's the moment of absolutely you're an adult once you've been there so there is uh there's a little bit of that juxtaposition maybe the child is is where you're starting with or a jumping sort of out of control child sort of representing that crazy new energy but also maybe not a a comforting energy yeah and another contrast i was noticing about the list too is that it's this combination of like micro moments and macro moments where you have Mm -hmm. you know the look on a child's face uh in the look of a frightened neighbor which is a a weird contrast Mm -hmm. too like why is your neighbor frightened um and then you have in the middle of a revolution on the tip of everyone's tongue uh where it's these sort of big situations or a tornado which is a big situation a giant whale yeah a giant whale which is a very big situation (laughs) the other going back to the poker scene the other element that i love in that poker scene is the uh 
it's perfectly synced of Danny dealing the cards to the same beat of Bartek's guitar, the ding, 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 ding. So much happens on the beats. Like, it's not just Danny doing facial expressions on the deep, but like everybody will do a shift at the same time. Yes. Yes. on the beat and just starting going into the scene with the fists coming down it's like and then suddenly the the fists stop and the lighting changes yes when the dealing starts but the devil is still in the background it's a hell of a thing and then yeah, yeah we've got we've got the guitar solo in front of the animation which is fantastic but i don't feel like there's a lot to be said about it except for wow you know check it's out just, that animation it's neat animation yeah uh uh-uh. mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we go into the prison where my favorite thing about the prison scene is, again, I I love when they have stuff happening in the video on the beat. And it's the other prisoners doing the point. The, the arms coming out of the, yes. Which is funny you mentioned that, Adam, because I've, I never noticed that until I started doing this analysis. I was like, oh, I've never noticed those those arms coming out of the other cells, you know, ch- doing the chopping motion to the beat. And then Danny gets on his knees and prays yeah. mm-hmm. for a moment, which I think is an interesting callback to the religious leader bit. Yeah. Yes. yes. Clearly yes. shackling yes. both of his hands down and then handing him a thing and one of his hands just comes free and signs the <laughs> autograph. <laughs> I, like I watched that several times to make sure. No, they do show them close the shackle on that arm. Eh, well, whatever. Yeah. Well, he can only do it when it's funny. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then just Avila looking so ecstatic to have the signed yeah. gratitude LP. <laughs> and then he's thrilled. Throwing the switch. Yeah, which is kind of a dark commentary, but it's also funny. Like it's dark commentary, but funny is Oingo Boingo in a nutshell. And this song specifically. That is, that is, this is, a, this song can go to a dark place. I mean, it expressly says the silence at the dinner table, the stillness of disgrace. I, again, I think that as in so many places, the joy of the song and the beauty of the music gives us a little bit of hope for salvation or redemption in this. And I think it's in the lyrics too, with maybe this person is better now than, than they were when they were chewing up rocks and spitting out gravel. Mm-hmm. Because they've been brought down from these heights that uh, were not earned. Yes, they've been brought down from hubris. They've been brought down from uh, from just taking the wrong direction. Uh, and then maybe there's a potential of maybe now choosing a better direction. So Adam, tell me about the music. The, the soundscape is, we've talked already about the synth soundscape of this song. We start out with that very staccato synth. <laughs> Uh, Then we get the proper song beginning with a big beat. Guitar strum, powerful drum kick. The guitar has a long strum. You know, that's just there for a couple of seconds. In a lot of the verses, the song is, like, musically, the song is very empty. If you listen, almost all of the instrumentation is very staccato. So there's nothing that's like holding a note through an, an entire measure. There's always something coming in and something coming out. I, I thought of it as kind of like, uh, you know, I can make a quantum physics analogy just in as much as you've got this table here that's solid wood, except actually if you go in, atoms are mostly empty space. Like there's a lot of empty space in between each note 
but there's a lot of notes. But there's oh, so it's it's like the musical equivalent of a pointillist painting. Yeah, that's even better. I like that. And that's less so in the choruses. The the choruses become a little more musically modern pop sounding mm-hmm. as far as what choices they made for the instruments and, you know, what holds a holds a note, holds a strum, holds a chord or something. But, you know, especially if you just listen to the first verse of the song, it really drives you to pay attention to the lyrics because the music behind it is in its way very sparse. And verse one is low was it as good for you as it was good for me and was it everything then he does the one now is that gratitude busts out that epic run that he does and then verse two is up a fucking octave It's an interesting and notable choice to do one verse at one octave and then another verse with basically the same structure, but jumping it up and, and punching it that way. Mm-hmm. The music doesn't really change, but the singing is is up. The music becomes a lot fuller once we get to the chorus. And they come out of the chorus and go into it's a verse, but it's spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, is the is the I eat little girls for breakfast? It's got the verse structure, but instead of singing it, it's it's kind of a spoken thing. The ooh, I dream of you sometimes isn't really a bridge, but I kind of just wrote it that way because that's kind of the default go to. Here's a structure that isn't the verse or chorus structure, and it only comes up once or twice. This time it goes straight into Now Is That Gratitude, where in the first chorus there was this gap before it, which was also interesting. Mm-hmm. The the song, just both in the music and the initial verse and there, like it plays with the space and kind of making you wait for things in a way. But then it piles everything together. You've got the verse one reprise with no music except for the drums. Has it been everything that you expected it to be? Was it as good for you? Uh, until a guitar sound comes in a little before the chorus. But it's the first verse again, but with even more emptiness underneath it, because the synths are gone for most of it. And then we go into a chorus, uh, and they play with this a lot in the different versions. They go into a chorus, and then a chorus that is also has the bridge playing at the same time. differences in the Boingo Alive version, just to do a, a brief compare of the two like studio released versions. Right. Boingo Alive is faster. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. It's noticeably faster. They cut down that chorus after the verse one repetition toward the end of the song mm-hmm. and then skipped like the chorus with the bridge over it is gone entirely. Yeah, yeah. And then the song comes out with the uh, "Now Is That Gratitude." Now is that gratitude. 
And in the music video version, the ooze in the intro are missing mm -hmm. um, before the first verse starts. And they skip half of the repeated first verse. They only sing four lines of it instead of the full eight lines. And the music video ends with the repeated beginning synth panpipe sound thing, which we talked about already. Interesting mm -hmm. choice to interesting choice to do that. Now is that gratitude. So does anybody else have any uh, final thoughts about gratitude that uh, you want to get in before we it's wrap up? It's a banger. It is a banger. I love this song. It is one of the pinnacle, pinnacle Boingo songs, I think. It is. I think Sword's so Dead Man's Party. I think Gratitude is up there. Gratitude is fun to listen to. Mm. And, it, you know, live, it must have just made the audience go crazy. Mm -hmm. and it's Oh, it did. Just, <laughs> it's just so I remember good, it did. I bet. But yeah, it's super, super fun. Like, I, I don't get tired of listening to it. Even no. for something like this. <laughs> it it was the versions. one song that I was the most surprised is not present on Live Farewell. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to hear that, that Vegas performance is what it would have sounded like because that was part of the Farewell tour. <laughs> But I, I, I'm with you, Adam. I was surprised Gratitude got cut. Yeah. I would trade that any day over, like, piggies or... I would have taken Gratitude over Hay. I would have cut out yeah. Hay for Gratitude. In a, heart, in a heartbeat. Yeah. Gratitude's a much better song than Hay. I mean, I like yeah. Hay just fine, but oh, Gratitude it's fine. is way better. Piggies, Hay... I would have kept Piggies, Clowns of Death, Burn Me Up, and Water only because those were new songs, right? So, like, those are kind of... Even though I'm not a Piggies fan, I still think it's untouchable. I would have, I, I wouldn't have cut that off the album. Just because it's it's it was something new, but uh, yeah, I would have lost. Hey, I might have lost. I'm so bad to be honest. Um, if if it means we can get gratitude, cut. I'm so bad for sure. I'm so bad. I loved. Uh, no piggies. Hey, um, Mary. I'm not a fan of. I would have cut Mary. Yeah. I cut Mary. I'm not a big fan of the Boingo the the Boingo Beatles stuff. I'm not a big fan of i would have cut walrus i i am but if nothing else i mean yeah it's the most recent stuff and so you do want to do that when you're touring right but right as far as like if it's your farewell album yeah i wouldn't necessarily cut like controller and burn me up and such just because they're the representations of the early stuff burn me up is older no no that was from that was nine, 94 or 95 no burn me up's not okay i just controller and and burn me up have this very similar vibe in my mind and so i just kind of assumed they were from the same but yeah. uh i don't uh this is why it's such have, a good song <laughs> i don't have as much familiarity with the with the really early stuff i i that was like the last stuff i got i'm surprised nothing from dark nothing from dark at the end yeah nothing I, from dark yeah. unfortunately so they should have absolutely have played skin so i have an idea i have a little i have a little challenge for all of you make your ideal 44 song farewell set list mm. 44 song. 44 song farewell okay challenge accepted yeah i'll have that for the next episode <laughs> yeah yeah i'll have that on your desk in the morning yeah that, yeah, yeah. that is so easy why, why 44 songs because they played 44 the songs for okay farewell. okay okay yeah they didn't yeah. all make it to the album obviously but they played yeah. 44 yeah. all right so oh that's, that's so easy yeah. that's such a good easy <laughs> challenge <laughs> 
Thanks to our panelists and listeners for joining us in this belly of a giant whale. Was this episode as good for you as it was good for me? We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can find us at Boingo Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us at boingopodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, you can tip us at buymeacoffee.com slash O-B-S-A-S. Let us know what topic or songs you'd like us to tackle next. I hope you'll join us next time. Who knows where this big tornado will take us. Goodbye, goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye.